On today's episode, join Jeff Teague, COO of All Things Possible Ministries, in a conversation from the Conservative Daily Podcast as they dive into a vital discussion about identifying those exploited by sexual abuse, interrupting the cycle of abuse, and restoring trauma victims spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Jeff expounds on the internal workings of sex trafficking in today's world and what it's going to take to begin moving forward towards solutions across the political spectrum. You'll want to catch this entire episode, so let's dive in. And welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Joe Otto might be on his way. He got called away. He's trying to make it back. But if he doesn't, it's just going to be me and our special guest today, Mr. Jeff Teagues. Uh, I believe he's the COO, is, is that right, of All Things Possible Ministries. We're going to be talking about their organization, what they do, the good work they're doing, not just to help women and children involved in trafficking, but also to help veterans coming back with PTSD, all the different parts of their ministry. We're going to do a deep dive into that, deep dive into human trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking as a whole. Amazing that Joe's not here today. This would have been one of those other every dog gets his day moments because he's big into talking about this, but maybe he'll be here in a little bit. But Without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Jeff Teagues. Welcome to the show. Max, thanks a lot for having us. Really appreciate the uh, opportunity. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll give you some time to talk about what your organization, All Things Possible, does. But just going through your website, going through your materials, it seems that your goal is just to help people, help people who, regardless of who they are, who are in moments of crisis. Talk a little bit about the specifics of what your organization does. So, you know, it's, it's difficult to encapsulate what All Things Possible Ministries does. It's, it's so big, but I, but I really like what we've arrived at with this idea of we identify trauma, we identify those that are being abused, those that are suffering from trauma. We try to interrupt that cycle of abuse, that exploitation cycle, and then we try to help restore those people, both from a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. So it really comes down to those three things. Uh, again, when you talk about the, the simple word of identify, that's as simple as reaching out to those that are in need in foreign nations, um, in orphanages, the displaced persons in war-torn areas, in prisons in the United States, as well as helping law enforcement identify those young boys and young girls that are being sexually exploited online. So three, three little words, you know, identify, interrupt, and restore. But man, they are just packed with meaning for us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really interesting that um, you're doing all of this and you seem to be doing all of this well. So a lot of times you see organizations, they branch too far out and they kind of become a jack of all trades. But you've kind of gone into this niche of, of just helping people who are in crisis and identifying where they're in crisis, helping them where you find them. It's interesting that you work with law enforcement to identify, um, help them identify when children are being exploited. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the early warning signs? Because I, I, for our audience too, and everyone, if you if you haven't already, make sure you hit the share button on today's podcast. I'm going to be saying that often because since we put trafficking in the title, Facebook and YouTube are going to try and throttle us. Make sure you hit the share button. Make sure you like. Make sure you comment on YouTube. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell for notifications. Um, talk a little bit, Jeff, about some of those warning signs, because I think it'd be helpful for our community as well, because you don't have to be a law enforcement officer to notice some of these warning signs. And it's, it's really tough, Max, because you know what it looks like in the beginning 
um, I mean, through the whole cycle, but, but as, it's, as, it, as it's getting introduced, it looks like a really bad relationship. You know, it looks like a boyfriend who's really controlling. You know, it looks like things that just aren't healthy. People are beginning to make poor decisions. You know, so it's really hard to separate that from the natural flow of life. And, yeah. you know, a, a statistic that's out there that startles people is the average age of entry into the sex trade is about 14 or 15 years old. And I, I like to unpack that, though, because it's, it's not that it's 14 and 15 year olds that are being sold on sold online. That does exist. That's the average. But obviously, if you can see a 14 year old or a 12 year old or a 15 year old, somebody's going to report that. But but the, the key words to that is they're introduced to it. So what happens to a young person at 14 or 15 is they're beginning to become independent and they're beginning to mature physically, emotionally separate themselves from their family and looking for their identity and worth in other people. And the predators are out there just standing by to, to manipulate that. So it's really difficult sometimes to tell the difference between a controlling, lousy boyfriend and an actual predator, a pimp or a trafficker. Yeah. But the other thing I would say, Max, is is I think Americans also, they try to figure out, is this a prostitute or a victim? Is this a pimp or a trafficker? Because when it comes to pimping and prostitution, you know, it, it's not my crusade, right? I'm, it's not, I'm, I'm not here to stop yeah. all prostitution in America, not here to stop all pornography in America, even though we can't kid ourselves. It, it, that, that is the fertile ground where this exploitation takes root. Um, but people too often try to figure that out on their own. And, and what we do going in with all things possible is we consider all pimps traffickers and we consider all prostitutes victims. And as that journey alongside them goes on, either law enforcement figures out the legal definitions, what you can prove mm -hmm. in court to take a pimp to the level of trafficking, or that victim has made decisions on her own through her life where now she kind of sits in that camp as a prostitute. Um, because where we try to get to people as early as we can is are those traumatic episodes that that get them there. You know what I mean? No, yeah. no little girl is dreaming of being a prostitute. No little boy is dreaming of being a pimp. There's a cultural thing. There are, there are things that impact their lives and put them on that trajectory. So I want to touch upon excellent stuff for everyone watching and who will be listening once this goes live, uh, once this gets posted as the audio form. Um, I want to dive in real quick and just get a clarification. When you said that the average age of someone introduced into trafficking is 14, 15, you're, are you talking about the mean, as in like you take all the ages together, divide it by the total number, and that's the age? Or Because obviously, if, it's, if that's the average, that tells me that there's some above and some below. Um, so is that the mean or is it the mode? Um, is that the most often found number or is that just the result of averaging very young people with very old people? So it's really into this, into the cycle and this, and the cycle begins with, with assessment and recruiting, and then it moves to grooming, breaking, and then maintenance and automatic. So when you, if you think of this as a, as a cycle and, what, and what's interesting, Max, is I'm a, I'm a lifelong soldier. I'm a lifelong special operations guy. And in, in the course of my time in military service, I began to try to look and see what, what is creating enemies to the United States. You know, like, especially when you talk about this radical Islamism, how do you take a young man in country X, Y, or Z and convince him that he needs to 
go to Iraq or go to Afghanistan or go to another yeah. country to, to fight us? How, how does that happen? And as, as I began to unpack that, because I'm, I'm, I'm at the tippy point of the spear, right? By the time I meet that guy, it's time to put him to jail or take him off the yeah. planet. But, but we, we never want to try to kill or destroy our way to a victory, right? So it is essential oh, yeah. it work. to lower violence. But how do you interdict that cycle? And, and that was when I first began to study this exploitation cycle on how you take a disenfranchised young man who is also looking for worth, looking for belonging, looking for that family, looking for that higher calling, um, and how Al-Qaeda and ISIS, they assess and recruit those, vulner those vulnerabilities, and then they groom them into becoming a, a freedom fighter or a jihadi. And so let me, that let me follow up real quickly. Yeah, before you get on that, average age 14, 15, what's the youngest you've encountered oh. someone being introduced into, into sex trafficking or human trafficking? What's, what's the youngest that, that your organization has encountered? That's a terrible question, Max. It's a, it's well, people need a, to know. People, it, people it need to know. It has a terrible right? answer. It has a terrible answer. The, the, the youngest that I've ever been involved in, and it was tangential to all things possible, was, nine, was a nine-month-year-old girl. Oh. So... Let, let's 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 table this the cycle of exploitation and how trafficking and, and terrorism are are are, uh, are similar. Well, I, we I want to get back to that, that but I just want, I wanted to make sure yeah. that because when you say the average age is fourteen fifteen, I don't want anyone to come come away with the idea that that's just what everyone is because you have prepubescent boys and girls that yeah. are involved in this. You have you have young children as you just mentioned, newborns, toddlers. Um, I want to get into that because it's very interesting the cycle of violence. Um. But I, before we leave on this average, talk about younger children, because obviously you, we, you can at least theorize why someone would be twisted enough to go after and, and to want to sell a 14 or 15-year-old girl. But when you get to these younger kids, the prepubescent kids who have uh, – it, you have to be very sick to want to put them into, into sex slavery. So there, there are categories to, to all of this, and predominantly – what what we're looking at with ATP is is the commercial sex industry, the underground commercial sex economy, they call it as well, and and that's where these girls aren't kidnapped. You know, th this is that cycle that begins where they're they're lured into this problem. Okay, and the reason we call it an economy is because it's that big. There are that yeah. many men buying. There are that many men selling. There are that many women being sold. So when you talk about a nine-month-old or a toddler or something like that, that's its own category. That is definitely pedophilia. I mean, that is that is something that is just beyond beyond sick, beyond evil. Now, what's interesting when you when you think of this purely as a market, right? So there's that niche market of, of some sick individual that wants to purchase a toddler for sex. Okay. Now, those people are very few and far between. But the cost, the money to be made, you're talking about thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, that somebody will pay to have sex with a, a, a baby. Wow. Okay. So you, you see what we're talking yeah. market? You're talking yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very niche market, but it's, it's high return. And then when you talk about the wider market where the, the typical American male that's purchasing sex, he just wants a pretty young girl. He, you know, yeah. he doesn't want a toddler. He doesn't want, he doesn't even want a girl under 18, but the, the market, what the traffickers are able to control is that girl that's in that age range of yeah. 15, 16, 17, because she's just easy to manipulate. So 
as long as the buyer can clean his conscience that, oh, this girl is 18 or 19, he's, he's satisfied. So that's really what we're talking about. And when you're talking about the scale, the millions of people that are involved and trapped in sex trafficking, that average age where they get, they get stuck into it is about 14 or 15. And, and one, more, one more stat that's kind of scary, the average lifespan of a sex trafficking victim statistically is about seven years. So, so is that, is that a lifespan of, of the time in the industry or that's how long they're expected to live once they enter that it, industry? Once they enter that industry, the average lifespan is about seven years. Now, again, people wow. can argue statistics, yeah. Max. And, and again, you and I are here to talk stats. I think what the yeah. reason I like stats is it's a, it's a launching point to have a deeper discussion. You know, so if, if the argument is, is seven years, if it's 10 years, whatever, the point is the yeah. suicide rates, the PTS, the abuse, the murder rates that, that go along with trafficking are absolutely outrageous and really need to be considered a, a, a women's health issue. That is when we're yeah. going to pivot from talking about this as just an economy, but talking about this as rights and talking about this as a, as a health issue, a pandemic in and of itself. So you mentioned stats. We love going over stats. Yesterday we talked about um, the shooting in Pennsylvania, um, the man who was shot by police ru rushing them with a knife, and we talked about the 21-foot rule, which is disputed. Some people say that it isn't 21 feet. Some people say it's more and less. And we had people emailing us saying, that, oh, it's not 21 feet. It's actually longer the police officers should have let the guy get closer to him with a knife before they shot him. Really strange stuff. But yeah, I agree that statistics are great for a launching pad. Um, you can disagree with the statistics, but whether the average age is 14 or 15, right, we can still all agree that the fact that we can even come up with an average age tells us that there are far too many. And it, it's depressing. I, I know that, that you have to use the terminology, but it's depressing that we're referring to this as, as an industry. Because this, is, this has become a black market industry. It's not just, you, you talk about the difference of what happens in the home between what happens out in the market, for lack of a better word, um, people being abused at home. It happens and they tend to be much younger than the people who actually get bought and sold. Um, someone in the, in the comment section, I can't scroll and find it, just mentioned that they know that the sex trade was increasing under the Obama administration. Do we have any indication of whether it is getting worse or better under Trump? It's, it's really it's really hard to tell. Um, so it, and it's it's interesting because the the trade is so complex. Like if you really do look at at this as as a market, there's supply and demand, and there's things that impact it. So under the Trump administration, they they passed uh, the FOSTA and SESTA these these two these two laws that basically said internet companies you can no longer hide under the auspices of you're just this third party host allowing yeah. free speech. So they ended up- Communica Communications Decency Act. Right. It shut down Backpage, which was the number one purveyor of, of selling sex in the United States. Like, like it was about 90% yeah. of the market. And, Craig, so, and didn't Craigslist also take their stuff down preemptively? So you can't actually do like man wanting woman, woman wanting man. They, they took that down preemptively, I believe. Just, just seeing that they, coming. They, they did. Um, it still exists, obviously, on mm -hmm. Craigslist, but not, but not at the scale. I mean, Backpage had just—they had mastered the economy. I mean, they were, they were, they were making tons of money off of selling sex and and knowingly selling minors. So it was a, it was a terrific yeah. law. But what it what it did, Max, was it fragmented the market, 
and the market is much more difficult for us to see and measure now. So Backpage was hosted in the United States um, and all of these different websites that are selling girls online, they basically jumped overseas and now they're being hosted overseas. That's so really interesting. It's, it's, I tell you, you would be so pissed because a bunch of these, a bunch of these escort sites, yeah. they would, they put out an ad. So you, you'd log in to buy your girl, right? And there'd be a little header that said, Hey, we're temporarily offline. We're moving our servers offshore. So we're no longer subject to the false. To the Czech Republic or, or something. Yeah, exactly. Please be patient. We'll be back yeah. online by, you know, by technical difficulties in, in our attempt to traffic right. children. Please stand by. Yeah, that that's definitely an unintended consequence. And when you think about shows like To Catch a Predator, I know that that's like more of the domestic side of it, but it is still predators. They knew where to go. So they knew where to post the, the ad. They knew what chat rooms to go into to lure people in. I didn't even think about that, that by shutting down websites, you are fragmenting it and basically sending it out to the wind and it's blowing everywhere. And you have no idea where these people are going. When you finally find them, they're outside the jurisdiction. Like we, we've seen how hard it is to prosecute people in India for doing scam calls in the United States. It's just as hard to traffic, to prosecute sex trafficking, though that tends to be, at least in, in places like India, Czech Republic, those areas of the world, there are laws against child trafficking where there might not be laws against certain types of scams. It's incredible because you don't expect that. You're like, wow, we did something. We affected this. They're no longer allowed to use these websites. And it's just such a sobering thought to think that that major accomplishment might have actually made it easier for them to evade evade capture. It is true, but I am not, and you, and again, you'll have people on both sides of the aisle arguing this, but I would tell you the disruption that was caused by taking down Backpage and the FOSTA SESTA, you're talking about millions of rates that did not occur. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to use the term rape because again, when we start calling it what it is, if you purchase sex with a minor, okay, an underage prostitute, a child prostitute, a child can't consent to sex. So you certainly can't. No, yeah. So you, you're raping this young girl. So in that interim, and even to date, because, because it has been pushed into the corners, there are, there, there have been millions of rapes that did not occur. So I think when you look at this macro, um, it certainly is terrific and we're trying to catch up and, and, and finishing back on your other question, what, what it appeared to me was that with the Obama administration, we were putting a lot more focus on trafficking overseas. And a lot, of, a lot of the money that was going to counter trafficking really was more of a labor trafficking bent and, and much more international. And with the Trump administration, not that a lot of money has funneled back into the United States, but it has been more of a focus on here d d domestically uh, and an empowering. But again, you, you, you've got this catch 22. So as the administration from a federal level seems to be empowering law enforcement to do more about it what happened COVID hit cities are going bankrupt law enforcement agencies are, are slashing budgets and guess what's the first thing to go they're sex crimes units yeah so even even though that's incredible we're, we're you know um and what what we have landed on of late with with atp is supporting the u.s marshals so we talk about the average age of entry and the, the any young lady and again leave the stats alone anyone that's listening out there know what this is what you need to hear these predators are actively 
looking for girls at the 13, 14, 15 year old range. That that is the that is where the risk goes begins to go through the roof. Okay. Now with the populations that are disenfranchised or homeless girls or coming from abusive families, all these types of things, runaways, that's the highest risk girl. So what U.S. Marshals have done of late is they've begun to correlate these missing children and a lot of, like, mm-hmm. again, the, the, the major market is a girl. I mean, again, just like we talked about with pedophiles, people want to buy boys for sex, but it's a, it's a small market. You know, predominantly it's grown men buying young, beautiful women. That's the market. A grown man that wants to buy a young, beautiful boy, that's a much, much smaller market. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah, yeah. when, when we're talking about this exploitation, where these, these young people are, are lonely and afraid and often run away from other levels of abuse, U.S. Marshals have taken a hold of that and said, this is a place for us. Um, and, and we've been assisting them, and we're hoping that this grows exponentially on trying to locate these missing kids. Because um, so here's, here's what's funny. We've seen a couple of high-profile cases. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say if you've had any involvement with them, but we've seen U.S. Marshals in Georgia. We've seen them, uh, I think it was Ohio, that kind of Midwest area. A couple of really big news stories where I think they found 39, 40 children in Georgia. They found dozens in Ohio and the surrounding states. And if you, if you can't talk about it, that's fine. But have, did you have, in your organization, have any role in some of these high-profile um, events that we've been seeing? Capture, uh, re- recaptures, saving them? We did, uh, and we've and we've got permission from from the, the U.S. Marshals that, that we're working with to, to discuss this in a small way. So again, here's the takeaway for the audience: we're all figuring this out. Okay, U.S. Marshals into this space. You just nailed a couple of the the, the big highlights: the the hit in Georgia, the operation mm-hmm. in Indiana, the multiple operations in Ohio. We're we're just figuring out how. U.S. Marshals can get this done, how they can partner with private organizations and nonprofits like All Things Possible, and, and we're seeing those impacts. So what, what the people need to do is not get bored, okay? It's gonna, yeah. We're going to have the short lull, right? Everybody's resetting, and then we're going to go after it again. So people have to continue to talk with their communities, talk with their district attorneys, talk with their um, elected officials. We want to keep the pressure on, and this is one really effective way that we're seeing is going to that most vulnerable way and missing kids and, and at least giving them an opportunity for some level of safety and security. So before we get back to the idea of uh, how the, the cycle of violence, you mentioned a little bit about supply demand and, and you mentioned a little bit about overseas. Right now, if I had to just take a, a 30, 40,000 foot view, International travel is cut off or, or very, very limited. So it's not as easy to fly into Southeastern Asia to buy sex. It just isn't. Um, so with, with that cut off, we also don't have big sporting events. We know things like the Super Bowl are a big um, rallying event for people who want to buy sex, right? Whenever, wherever the Super Bowl goes in a given year, sex trafficking tends to spike because people who go – they want to buy women or girls for sex. So we don't. We saw that like March Madness was canceled. Lots of these events, even if they do happen for professional sporting events, there there's no one in the stands. So there's not. You can't just like flood the zone 
with with U.S. Marshals or FBI into these big cities and say, we're going to take out everyone because we know that's where they're going to be. And then you take down the websites where where now it's scattered to the wind. It just seems like as I'm thinking about this, the predictable ways that people are doing this are you can't count on it anymore. And and maybe that's part of it, just criminals getting smarter to to outthink the, the investigators and the prosecutors. But I don't know. It's just it seems like you have to throw the playbook out during this pandemic because you can't expect where these people are going to be, whether it be online or in person. Am I, am I off base on any of that? No. And when it comes to these big, I, yeah, people always talk about the Super Bowl. The, the, yeah. the, the fact of the matter is where there are large gatherings of men with expendable income, there will be sex, sex spikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't care if it's the Democrat National Convention, the Republican National Convention, you know what I mean? It's the, the shot show in Las Vegas. Yeah. You know, any yeah. any anything where there are men with dollars, you'll you'll see these see these spikes. Um, and with with COVID, yes, we're seeing less movement, like girls aren't being moved across the country. And we've seen a hit in the bigger cities. So like the, the major markets an LA, a Detroit, an Atlanta, a New York City, these, these major markets have a slight decline in demand. It's beginning to rise back up. So what you saw with COVID come in was initially guys were like, that's eh, okay, we're still gonna buy sex. And actually the women that, uh, that were being sold, the, the, the pimps and traffickers were taking advantage of that. They're giving like COVID specials, two for one specials. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous what they were yeah. doing. And then the fear took over so you began to see a little bit of a drop in the market in these bigger bigger markets, but you you didn't in the smaller community. So like like um, take a place like Denver, okay? Denver's going to have organically to it a a thriving sex economy right in Denver, but then you're going to have all of the suburbs, right? So all of the suburbs when you're talking about Aurora and Centennial yeah. and and, and Pickwick suburb, those people are going to be coming from the suburbs. And, and servicing customers inside the city. So all, all that really happened was you, you stopped to see that movement and things went up in the suburbs because the demand was still there. And what traffickers ended up doing, because they had to give discounts, right? They're literally giving coupons, Matt's, COVID coupons, so people would still purchase. What a lot of the pips and traffickers did was because the volume was lower with individual women, they went, they went broader. So instead yeah. of having four or five or six girls, which is the usual stable of a trafficker, is about four to six girls, they ended up they ended up bringing in ten girls. So he's not making as much money off of one, but he diversified. And literally, you're talking a businessman. Yeah. What's yeah, selling? Yeah, White girls, black girls, Hispanic girls, Asian girls. What age? They 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 follow the market and they work that demand. So we've seen a disruption in the sex industry. But my fear is that when we come out of this, we're going to see a spike like we've never seen. Because again, we're yeah. talking about the cycle. You and I are, we're talking about the, the, the maintenance and automatic phase where the girl's being sold. But in the assessing and grooming phase, it's higher oh, than yeah. ever. Because our girls, they're locked at home online. And these traffickers are reaching them, pretending, them they're, pretending they're something they're not. And as things begin to normalize, the, the, it's going to be worse than ever is, is my prediction. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a sobering, a very sobering thought. Um, we'll get back to this towards the end, but I want to 
jump back to this idea of the cycle of violence. You mentioned like that it's, there's very similar, um, it's very similar to terrorism, the idea that how do you flood a place like Iraq or Syria with terrorists all around the globe? I've, I've studied this uh, a little bit, and it doesn't seem all that different than how we got men and boys to run to their recruiting centers after 9-11 to go overseas. It's, there's a trauma. You get people fired up about it, and, and they go overseas. Where I mean, people are like, well, how could, how could ISIS do that? It, it, it's propaganda, right? It's evil, but they're following a very similar playbook. This is bad. We need your help to fix it. Come and help us fix it. Um, with trauma, though, when it comes to this idea of you, 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 need, you can't just bomb your way through a counterinsurgency, right? Because every time you blow up a father, it's just a matter of time before his son picks up the Kalashnikov. Um, talk about that in terms of sex trafficking, because I think you have a, two, a twofer. You have the people who are buying it being abused themselves. And you have, as you mentioned, people in the, being sold in the industry escaping those domestic situations and finding them landing right into, as you called it, a stable. So talk a little bit about that, because it's very interesting because you, it's, you have both sides of it. It's victimhood all around. And, and I don't want to say that they're victims like they, the people buying it don't serve any condemnation. But you can see it, all parties involved. It's, it's all different levers. What, you know, it, it, it is. What's, what, what is. what's the lever that's being pulled? Um, what's being manipulated? What's being exploited? So it, yeah, actually, Max, I, I, I literally never thought of it that way. Um, that you know, I'm thinking of the terror cycle. But on the on the on the positive side is how do you convince young men after something like American young men in 9/11? So it, again, what what is the lever that's being pulled? Is that young man wants to have a self a, a, a sense of, of a greater purpose? You know what I mean? He wants to build his esteem. He wants to be part of something that's bigger than him. Um, the patriotism that's involved, the excitement, the adventure, yeah. you know, all these looking, things. Looking that, for I mean, a father figure that he doesn't have at home. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I largely joined the military when I was 17 for the adventure. I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do. It, it just seemed like a grand adventure. And that was my lever. That's how they, that's how they got me in. So the, the levers that we're talking about for an American man to, to go fight American wars for a, uh, a, a young Islamic man to be radicalized to, to fight these jihadi wars and these young women that are getting trapped. So what, what are the levers that, that they're getting pulled into? And they're the similar ones that you and I talked about. If you're coming from a place of abuse, you're looking for safety and security. And, and what makes me so mad is this trafficker. That's what he's promising this girl. He's promising this girl a level of safety and security that she doesn't have at home. And then he twisted on it. And then there's the other girl that isn't necessarily coming from a broken home, but she's still looking for love and maybe even excitement. Just like, just like I was talking about, a, a adventure. So you've yeah. got this trafficker who he poses as a photographer. Let me stop, let me stop you real music quick. Music video. Yep. When you say trafficker, typically people, when they think trafficker, it means moving them from A to B. So when you think trafficker, it's moving them across the border. And then maybe they get sent to a more permanent location. Do you mean that when they get set up with a trafficker, that he is moving them around the country? Or do they tend to be more stationary? That Okay, you've gone to this person. He's bought you. Now you're going to service this area. Is it, is it, do they continue to move once they, once they get into the United States or once they get to that, um, that pimp? Or does it tend to be more stationary? Just want to make sure that – I don't even know no. the answer to this. No, it's good, Max. Um, take your – image of a pimp 
and blend that with a trafficker. I'm using one term trafficker. So the only difference between a pimp and a trafficker by law is you by law you have to demonstrate that there are elements of force, fraud, or coercion. So this this guy is selling, or this this girl is being exchanged for something of value, a sex act for something of value. That's mm -hmm. prostitution. The the pimp is in control of that. That's that's pimping. But to make it a trafficking case, it's force, fraud, or coercion has to be established. Now, how often do you think just a pimp uses the tactics of force, fraud, and coercion with a girl? A lot. All the a time. Lot. A lot. All the time. Yeah. And and why why we're talking with you about minors is a, is a number of, of reasons. One, the earlier you can interdict the cycle, the better. It's where the risk begins. But also from a very practical point of view, if the girl is under 18, it's an automatic trafficking charge. We're not talking about prostitution yeah. anymore. So Because they can't consent. When I they say trafficker. So anything that they get told to right. do is, is coercion. Exactly. So think, think of pimp it, as trafficker. The, the movement side of it isn't smuggling, okay? So also you're talking about the, the high, the mid 90 percentile of girls being sold in the United States are American girls. They're not, they're not foreign. A lot of people think that girls are being brought in from overseas, across the borders, in shipping containers, whatever, like, like the movies. And that does exist. But again, it's, it's a very small market. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, think of this as a business. If you yeah. have a girl that is a US citizen, she speaks English, you know, she already knows how to get around in the community and the society, and you can pivot her and drag her into a life of the sex industry, that's a lot more secure, you can make more money, and it's lower risk trying to move a girl that's undocumented, right? Yeah. So most of the girls um, in the United States, they're, they're not smuggled in, they are homegrown girls. But the, the idea of trafficking does often have an element of movement to it. And, and it's an important point because if you're a prostitute who lives in Aurora, Colorado, okay, and that's your job, and you work nine to five, and people come to your house or you go to them, that's, that's a lot of what prostitution looks like. Because trafficking requires this level of, of control and coercion, there's oftentimes a movement. Because if you're allowed to sit in Aurora, Colorado, and your clientele becomes Aurora, Colorado, and you begin yeah. to get uh, ingrained into that community, it's, it's too high of a risk for that trafficker. He needs you off balance. He needs you to not have friends. He needs you to yeah. not find a community that will ultimately get to know you and try to reach out to you. You're always the outsider. So, and the so only that's riskier place than you're movement? inside Yes. The only place you're inside is with that family. It's with your sisters. So it's a, it's a, it's a two, it's a punch on both sides yeah. of the face. You're an outsider when, in that community. You mentioned like the movies, you mentioned like the movies, like in the movies, you see that these things go south for the trafficker when they go to a rest stop. And, and she's like, she's telling someone at the, at the fast food place, please help me. Right. Or when they're on a plane or they're trying to go through customs, that's what the movies depict as the most dangerous part for the trafficker, right? Right. Where the trafficker gets caught, but it makes sense that the trafficker would get caught if they just got too complacent, they got too comfortable in an area. So, I mean, just, this is great because 
you're conditioned. Your people believe that the movement is the most difficult, most risky part for their operation. Um, but it makes complete sense what you're saying. Yeah, and and you again, Max, you, you nailed it because uh, uh, think of the risk that a that a young lady is taking to go to a stranger and ask for help. Yeah. Wow. Versus you you've been because uh, again they're out there in the community maybe she's a barista at a coffee place maybe maybe you've maybe you've gotten to know her now or she's maybe you're the barista and she's coming in for coffee every day you get to know her you build a level of trust with her now she's much more inclined to say max i i, I need some help and that trafficker he doesn't want you there max he does not want any yeah. semblance of support and again this is i'm going all the way back to the beginning now this is what ATP is trying to do, is just let the people out there that are lonely and lost and suffering from trauma, let them know there are folks that care about you. There are men and women and families and churches and communities that care about you and we're looking for you and we want a better life for you. Because imagine that young girl stuck in a room. She's got 10 minutes between tricks coming in and and she is just convinced nobody loves her you yeah. know and again that's what we want to say and you know um it's what victor and eileen the marks family they say so well and they demonstrate so well is we 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 care about you we love you you're not lost you're not unloved don't believe the lies hang in there we're we're, we're coming for you so i would be i feel like i would be remiss if I didn't at least mention the elephant in the room, I know you represent a 501c3 charity, and I don't want you to say anything political that could get you into trouble. So let me find a way to talk about the story that's been in the news um, in a way that doesn't involve any specific candidate's name or his um, son. Um, have you done any work with the, Have you done any work with the FBI's child abduction rapid deployment team? Uh, very, very little. Yes, very little. But I'm familiar with them and their and their capabilities. Yes. Are you familiar at all with the agent in the FBI, Joshua Wilson? He's, he's worked a couple of high-profile child um, endangerment cases, child abduction cases. Have you had any interactions with him? I know you said you very little with the with the with the team, but have you have you ever read about him? Okay. Yeah. If ring the about, FBI. Yeah. If the FBI were to, let's keep this completely hypothetical, if the FBI were to send an officer from the child abduction rapid deployment team to pick up a laptop by subpoena, would you expect a government agency to devote child abduction resources to something that had nothing to do with, with child abduction? No, and, and Max, Again, I, I it's it's easy. To I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no, but it's, it's just it's, it's easy in the to room. talk about all this stuff because just just like statistics, right? It's it's just to me, it's often just a base of the discussion. I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. We're certainly stuck right now in America with it's all about politics. It's not. So let let, let let's go back to just this idea that a young man has damning. So even if it's true or not, okay, but that, that, that young men are out there, men are out there with child pornography, evidence of them purchasing girls for sex on computers, and they don't even worry about it? 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're email. It, 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 it is an family members. Text right. messages between family members saying that we know you're not allowed to be around the kid. Don't worry, we believe you. You and that's that's so again, that's what I'm talking about, Max. Is this is so normalized in the United States? This is so brushed under the rug that for every high profile guy who has a computer scrubbed and they find something nasty on it, there's thousands of those guys. You know, it's it's just like when we talk about the Epstein case everybody's angry at Epstein, you know what I mean? And, and, and they're all, they're all, they all want to be angry at millionaires and politicians and men of yeah. power. Oh yeah. How about your neighbor? How about your neighbor? That's fine sense. You know, how, how, how about, how about your own community? Like too often we make like right now, the boogeyman is, you know, some, some white male in America. That's, that's in the Delaware. boogeyman now in Delaware. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the actual, it, it's worse than that guys. When it comes yeah. to buyers and it comes to purchasing sex and purchasing sex with minors, statistically, we can't tell the difference. There's nothing. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, doesn't matter what socioeconomic place you come from. You know, it is every man. So again, to me, the story being political or not is again, just this concept that a dude was so nonchalant about his or so high crack. illegal behavior. <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's rampant, Max. It's, it's everywhere. Um, and I, and I, and I, I'm kind of stuck because I stare at this and fight this every day. So while I appreciate um, the emotion and I appreciate people talking about it and being angry about it, but I'm, I'm waiting for it to actually take yeah. uh, movement and action that has better impact. Oh, it, it, it's similar. It's similar to almost what you see on the left when it comes to gun control issues. Whenever there's a high profile case, you see that Democrats are very into gun control, but then it subsides and then they stop talking about it. This issue, just because we have high profile cases like Epstein, Maxwell, um, Hunter, right? Just because there's, there's high profile cases and just because we now have at least some evidence to suggest that the FBI sat on some of this stuff doesn't mean that we should just let it go away, just let it subside. We, there has to be a concerted push. And that's something that the other side of the aisle um, tends to make mistakes with. They, they push, push, push. And then as soon as it's out of the news cycle, they're done talking about it. Um, so I, I definitely do appreciate what you're saying there. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about, um, well, we, we, we covered the, the Hunter stuff. Um, I just, can you, oh, this, this, I, I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, before we leave the Hunter stuff, I, we've talked a, bit, a little bit about the catch 22 of, of taking down a website and then realizing, oh crap, we can't then use that website to stop them. Us being in, in media, because this is a form of media, we've experienced a similar catch 22 where there are pictures alleging Hunter Biden naked in the presence of uh, an underage family member. And we cannot share it. So because if we shared that, that could be interpreted as child pornography, right? So so we're in a catch twenty two where the media is refusing to report about it. They're they're not they're saying that the laptop doesn't even exist. If if we get if someone tries to shop to us pictures or videos, like we've just told them no, we're not interested, right? But it's the catch twenty two that the media won't report it. And Giuliani's out there saying it exists, but everyone's afraid, and rightfully so, of publishing it because it's child pornography. It just seems like there's no way out. And then you see 
the the alleged underage family member is now on the campaign trail with Joe Biden. That just seems really creepy. Um, that it, that she's named in pictures, and all of a sudden she's right by Joe Biden's side, almost like he's keeping his eye on her. I don't want to I don't want to get dive too deep into it, but it just feels like we we talk about blowing the whistle on this stuff. But it seems like whenever it gets to a high profile level, again, whether it's Hunter Biden, whether it's Maxwell with all of her connections, because her family is deep, deep in the big tech world, whether it's Jeffrey Epstein, you look at the sweetheart deal that he got in Florida, right? His original deal. Um, whenever it gets high, a really, really high profile, it just seems like there's so many actors in different institutions, whether it be government, media, tech, Hollywood, that just seem so interested in making it go away. So I, I appreciate the the need for us all to be talking about this, right? But I also see that when we do have high-profile incidents, there's just such a concerted effort to make it go away. And I wanted to pick your brain and see if you know why, because um, is it because people are in on it? That That's my first thing, like especially with Hollywood, right? Are people in on it? Is, is it? is it a Weinstein situation? Is that why no one wants to blow the whistle on Weinstein because they're connected? Or is it just that there is it politics? Is it like no one wants to go after Jeffrey Epstein because he is a powerful Democrat donor? It just, it just blows my mind how how you can learn that these people are abusing, trafficking minors. And it's just the, the impulse from so many sectors of our society is just to make it go away. I just I don't understand why. Well, interesting, Max. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll take it up one level and hopefully talk about something to, to for your for the, the, the listeners to think through. I am a counterinsurgency and counterterror expert. That's what I've devoted my whole life to since I was 17 years old. Again, even the nuances in counter trafficking are very similar. I've studied it, master's degree in it, all of that. And when when you talk about counterinsurgency, all right, or an insurgency, the number one objective of an insurgency is legitimacy. It is a war, a conflict for legitimacy. Is this group legitimate? Inside of a power vacuum. Not legitimate. Inside of a power vacuum or even to wrest power away. And as as I've been looking at the United States over the last couple years, we have a very mature insurgency growing within our country. And it's, it is mind-boggling to me how people don't see it for what it is. And it's so obvious to me because I've studied it and seen it and either combated it or blew the flames of it, depending on which side our nation was wanting to see. You know, we, we helped to develop insurgencies in foreign countries. We helped defeat in, uh, insurgencies in foreign countries. But it's about legitimacy. And, and when you're talking about these things, we, we have, in many areas, delegitimized not just the sitting president, but the office. We've delegitimized the Supreme, the Supreme Court. We've delegitimized the FBI. You know, now you're bringing it all the way back down to, the, to these levels that you're yeah, talking yeah. about, where we've, we, we can't even legitimize that this computer exists, let alone what's on it. You, I mean, you see how the, the yeah. discussion is switched? We, Look, look at these, the, we can't even say that much of these protests that have grown out of this past spring have turned into riots and violence. Yeah, we, can't, right. we continue yeah. to legitimize things in what they aren't. 
So it, Walmart, it, Walmart is I, taking the guns and ammo out of their display cases because of peaceful protests, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, so it's it's it really is this idea of legitimacy, and, and that is where uh, you know uh, Americans they just need to be smarter. Like you need take a second, calm down, breathe, count to ten. What are we really talking about? And almost every time, Max, it comes down to one side delegitimizing the other, and as that balance begins to be shifted and altered, it's very hard to recover from. And I think that's where um, the folks that are on the right or more conservatively leaning have been asleep. They haven't yeah. realized that, th that this fight for legitimacy has been going on for decades. And yeah. we've just kind of been sitting, watching it, not fully recognizing what it was all about. It's interesting that you bring a counterinsurgency um, uh, kind of approach to this, because if you think about what was happening in Iraq, where you're trying to get the Kurds, the Shia, the Sunnis all into the same room to agree, hey, let's not blow each other up. And they're like, well, no, they deserve to be blown up. No, well, they deserve to be blown up. I imagine that if you got all three of them into the room and you brought up something that was truly universally haram, right, children should not just be brutally raped. I think you'd be able to get them to at least come to some agreement that, yes, we should not have tra trafficking inside of Kurdistan, Sunni or Shia controlled Iraq. Whereas here in the United States, like, I don't think we've reached the bombing part of it. I, even though they did just find explosives um, in Philadelphia in a van, um, we haven't reached that. But we do have it's, it's weird that it's just one political party just doesn't want to talk about it. And, and just if it comes up in the news, the media says no. Like the Jeffrey Epstein story was on ABC's, this one reporter's desk for a year. And, and there's a video online, a viral video of her in a hot mic moment getting pissed because she had Epstein dead to rights and the network wouldn't let her run it. I mean, that's not a low level um, booker or low level associate producer making a decision. That is the top of the network saying you cannot run this because Jeffrey Epstein's a friend of ours. He's a good man. It's just... It's so depressing because even in areas of, of great insurgency turmoil where you're talking about like out of control, failed state Somalia, Syria, you can at least get both sides to agree that children shouldn't be trafficked and raped. They might do that on a personal level, but they at least can publicly agree that this is a problem that we should fight against. Whereas here, it's just, I don't know. It's just, how do you win the hearts and minds of people that are actively trying to silence news stories blowing the whistle. And, you know, I retired five years ago and, and, de and dedicated my efforts in, in, into this. And I thought, Max, that this would be a unifying platform. Surely everybody yeah. can agree children should not be abused and raped and sold for sex. Surely that's a place for Catholics and Protestants you know, yeah. Islam, Muslims and Christians, Republicans and Democrats. What's, what's funny, Atheist like even, you said, right? Let's bring us all like, together. Dude, there's there's more of a divide right now between our two American political parties than, than I've seen in in, in 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 people that were taking up arms against each other. So I, I, I thought this would be very unifying. Uh, I still hope that that it, it will be. Um, but I, I don't know what it what it's going to take. It's it's and as we move closer and closer to identity politics, you know, this is one of those things too that, you know, I'm I'm learning as we go, 
And there are certain sectors in America where I am unqualified to talk about sex trafficking um, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a white male. A cisgendered even, white male. Right. Even, even though the, the majority of, of the victims that we serve, these women that we want to take from victimhood to, survive, to surviving and thriving, are African-American and Hispanic. So African-American girls and Hispanic girls are overly represented when it comes to sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. So th that's one of those things, Max. How we, We're back to legitimacy, right? So I'm, I'm delegitimized as an individual who, who has a professional set of skills that can assist in recovering African-American and, and Hispanic and Asian girls, in addition to white girls, from, from a life of, of sexual slavery. That's ridiculous. So how, how do we get past that? And I'm hoping and praying that whatever happens after this election, that we move into 2021 and we lend a little bit more legitimacy to each other. We develop a little bit more intellectual honesty, which is all I want. You and I can, can disagree 100% on something, but if you're being intellectually honest, Max, I respect your opinion. I, I just, I don't know, man, am I a dreamer? Like, is it gonna happen? <laughs> Well, don't say that. They'll give you American citizenship paper if you say if you say you're a dreamer. <laughs> don't use that. You'll find you'll find yourself you'll find yourself getting Democrat campaign literature at your door. <laughs> um, well, and so we're almost here's here's the other one. We're, sorry, real quick. The, the the other thing that I'm hoping, and again, what what I what I was beginning to see uh, prior to this year or the last eighteen months was that all of the unrest, at least people were recognizing. You know what the answer is not. The answer is not federal government. The answer to trafficking or poverty or violence or what or, or education in Denver or in Portland is not the federal government. It's local. It's local communities. It's a it's a partnership between public and private. That's the answer. We've got to start solving problems on our own. I, I we were moving in that direction, and I thought fantastic. At least something will come out of this. We'll stop looking to. Washington DC to solve problems across our vast nation. But again, that's turned on its head now. Now we're trying to um, move everything, socialize it, have federal solutions to local problems. Again, it, it just doesn't work. And, and, and what we're talking about, when, and, and when you're looking at these successes with US Marshals right now, and it's unprecedented, the amount of, of children that they're recovering, yeah. it is purely hosted by the federal government, giving permission for these federal agents to, to take part, but then it is powered down to the communities, the nonprofits, the private entities that are really closer to the problem to, to, to arrive at impactful solutions. So we're coming up towards the end and it's been a great conversation. Anyone who, who enjoys this, make sure you hit that share button, make sure you like, make sure you comment on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications. I just have two more questions. Um, I want to pick your brain with. Um, so we, I don't know how much you, you've read into the conspiracy theory of QAnon. We don't support it mostly because I don't have time to dive into it. Um, now, there are people who say, oh, it's a, it's a claim that there are Satanist cannibals in government. I've seen people presented as a very simple explanation of there are powerful pedophiles in positions of power 
and they deserve to not be in position of power. But we see, regardless of, of what side of the aisle, regardless of whether you think it's a legitimate conspiracy or not, or just a theory, um, we've seen something we've never seen before, that people talking about this kind of stuff are just demonized, and, and they're thrown out, and they're like, oh, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. They're kooks. Like, the, the minute that someone says, yeah, it's interesting what, what QAnon people are saying, they're, they're just blasted as a conspiracy. So even if the, the larger claims are false, we all know, we've seen the stories, that there are powerful pedophiles who pull different levers in our society and are protected by other institutions. R regardless of, of QAnon as a, as a theory, as a conspiracy theory or a conspiracy, how dangerous is it? That as we see this, same with the laptop, it's Russian disinformation, right? It's, it's fake news. How dangerous is it that we live in, in a world where people come forward, whether it be unsubstantiated theories or in the case of the laptop, serious evidence, and they're just branded as conspiracy theorists? It just, it, how can we have the conversation if the minute you post about it, you're taken down by Facebook for fake news? It's, it's difficult, Max. And, and again, my, my expertise has been in special operations and very specifically a special forces soldier. Okay. And one of the, one of the things um, that a special forces soldier does, and we're, we're a little bit older, you know, but we've, we're, we're trained to understand, you know, uh, strategic decisions, global politics. But what, what we did and what I did often in my career is take these two seemingly opposing sides, the Israelis and the Palestinians, you know, the Shia and the Sunni, the Iranians and the Iraqis, you know, the, the, the shining path and the proving, I mean, you, you pick, pick an opposing group and they used us, U.S. Special Forces, as that third party to open a dialogue. You know what I mean? This person won't talk to this person, but they'll talk through me. You know, and I really, I really loved, as much as I love being, you know, like a soldier, the action, the excitement, I, I loved this, this role of being that mediator, of being that third party that could open up dialogue and try to find the genuine grievances, you know, that each party has mm -hmm. and, and begin to move towards solutions. And as a, as, a, as a special forces guy, the most frustrating thing was when you would enter into that relationship and one or both of those parties did not want to dialogue at all. Exactly. One would yeah. discredit the other one wholly off of their identity. You're this, I'm not listening. Again, it comes down to that legitimacy. So I've seen it all my life, how problems get solved with open dialogue and, and listening to the other side and, and recognizing the genuine grievances, you know, and moving towards some, some, some smaller solutions, you know, and, and uh, I don't, I don't know where it's going to lead. I just, I, I, I've, I've never seen it in America, just this opposing. There has it's to more be politically, that. It's more, the, the public polling, polling says that we are more divided than at any point since the Civil War, which is frightening. Yeah. And I, I think reason and, and, and rationale has to win the day. Look for the unity that we have in America. I mean, Max, our country is amazing. Like when you fly across the United States, the diversity we have in people, in thought, in cultures, in geography, it's, it's, it's an amazing country that we are holding together on, on ideas, on ideas that unify us. And if all we focus on 
are these ideas that divide us. I, I just don't know how how that survives yeah. the test of time. It's, uh, I mean, you, you look at places like South Africa where they had a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to bring the country back together. I don't think we're we're there yet, but if we had a Truth and Reconciliation Commission today, we wouldn't even be able to decide on what the truth is, right? <laughs> like there's no room for reconciliation if, if we're still arguing over what truth is. And, and, and as I mentioned, big tech, media, everyone mm. is just suppressing truth and, and, just, and, ref- and just demanding that they get that final word. You post it on Twitter, oh, they're going to make sure that you understand that the CDC says X, Y, and Z, or Facebook, make sure that they add the fact checkers. I just think it's, it's really troubling. The last question I have is we've seen not as much with Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been very wishy-washy on the issue, but we've seen other Democrat candidates. And I don't want to get you into trouble with your 501c3, so you don't have to take a political stand on this. But we've seen Democrat candidates especially, and I guess even some libertarian candidates, make a push to decriminalize sex work. And mm-hmm. what, the way Joe Biden explains it, actually, I want to read, let, let, we'll read it. We'll read the quote. This is a full quote, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is what Joe Biden said. He was in Nevada. In your state, you've made that judgment talking about sex work. And you have a mechanism by which to oversee what's happening. And so I'm not suggesting I'm going to come and change the law in your state. But there's a whole range of things that matter. It matters whether or not how you got into the trade, whether you got pulled into the trade, or whether you're underage, etc. And whether or not you're owned by a John who's taking your money, etc. There's a whole range of things. So the Democrat Party seems to believe that, that you can decriminalize sex work without exacerbating trafficking because they're apparently going to set up a whole system where only people who voluntarily are in it allowed to do it. Is that possible? Is it possible to decriminalize sex work and have no impact on the trafficking situation? I I don't think so, Max. Um, And, you know, as again, as a, as a general rule, I'm not into supporting human vices okay i'm not into legalizing drugs i'm not into legalizing prostitution now there's a difference between legalizing something and not uh, enforcing those laws you, you, you know what i mean like i, I yeah, yeah if people want to smoke pot i don't really care okay you know there's there's levels of things it, it, it's almost to that point of two consenting adults that want to engage in the exchange of money for a sex act again it's 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 not something that I think we need to be carrying around a hammer with, you know. But it's normalizing vice. It's normalizing vices. And as that enterprise expands, there's going to be a, a, a more of a of a criminal subset to it, you know. And I just also go back to this idea. And and there are sex workers that will tell me I'm crazy, okay. And I and what do I know? But Man, that unicorn of that young lady who decided that she was gonna gonna sell her body for sex without any coercion or any of that. Yeah, yeah, and she's doing it because she has greater aspirations of becoming a surgeon or an astronaut or something. Yep, that person exists, and they're a unicorn. You know, yeah. the 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 again statistically somewhere in the high ninety percentile. These women that are involved in the sex industry have undergone some level of abuse, you know. So how about instead of decriminalizing sex, we destigmatize the sex worker, but try to offer them other ways out. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we continue to 
denormalize. One of the biggest things studies have shown is why the sex industry continues to grow is because we continue to normalize it. And again, it's, it's normalized through the, the explosion of pornography. It's, it's normalized in different sectors across the United States. We, we have to convince our own culture purchasing another human being for your own pleasure is not right. Okay. Yes. But again, criminalizing something, not enforcing something, those are, those are two um, very different things. It just, it just saddens me that we listen to this fringe argument about why sex should be decriminalized and we avoid the elephant of the closet, which is the yeah. trauma and abuse that is just intertwined with it. Yeah, um, very, very spot on. I'll just say this, that um, the same people want, who want to decriminalize, not all of them, but many of the same people who want to decriminalize sex work are also some of the leading voices that say pedophilia is not a crime, it's a mental disorder. Um, so it, it's very concerning to me because you always, decades ago, you say, oh, it's a slippery slope, oh, and people laugh at you. But there is a non-zero number of articles published on major newspapers like New York Times, Washington Post, arguing that pedof pedophiles are just are just going through a mental crisis, um, and that they, they need to be understood, they need to be cared for, and it's just it's it's very frightening because you you see the different parts of that argument converging, and if both of those sides get their way, it's a very frightening um, it's a very frightening outcome. Well. I'd love for you to get a chance to tell our listeners, tell our viewers where they can go to help support your mission um, and, and learn more about it. So I'll, I'll give you that final word um, to help people figure out how they can help. It's really simple. Vic, VictorMarks.com. So when you hear Victor's story, he underwent some of the, the most brutal, violent torture, psychological torture that, that a human can endure. And he has come out on the other side of that with his wife, Eileen, who was instrumental in his healing. Uh, and he has built an entire organization and, an, and, an, and a ministry in reaching these people who think that they are lost or they're not good enough or the things that they've gone through can never be forgiven or healed. It, it can all be forgiven and it can all be healed. So victormarks.com, you can't, you can't miss him as a personality. I'm new as the chief operating officer there, and we've got stuff happening all across the globe. But it goes back to the, the, the thing that you were just talking about, Max. If we can't protect our children, if we can't agree that one of our priorities as adults, and, and quite honestly, Max, as men, as men in America, can we not agree that it is our responsibility to protect our children? Because um, yeah. that's, that's where it starts. And trying to put together Humpty Dumpty after he fell off the wall uh, is, is, is not the answer. So we, we appreciate people's support. It's been an incredible 2020. Um, All Things Possible has a lot in store for 2021. So I, I'd love to, to share more with you. You guys are, are nearly our neighbors. Um, we want to have you guys down to our, to our training center. That's something we just built yeah. to bring people in to equip them. Again, with the physical skills of how to protect themselves and protect your loved ones and, and have a place where they can just share the things that they're struggling in. So excited for the year. We really appreciate all of our supporters and want to encourage any of you out there in, in, uh, in America to, to join arms with us. Um, it's going to be a, a fascinating year. 
Well, I'd love to go down there because I've heard that Victor has some very amazing disarmament techniques. He's very good when it comes to uh, disarming people with guns, knives. Very interesting. I've watched a couple of videos of him. Um, so I'm sure that will be very interesting. I'd love to come check it out. And we'll definitely have you on again. Uh, it was a very insightful interview. Well, I want to thank Jeff Teagues for, for stopping by and talking. Um, I'm going to give it a little brief spiel. You can stay on or hop off either way. Um, that's going to be it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. Thank you all for watching. Remember, we go live Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, also, make sure that you subscribe to our audio version of our podcast. We just had our best month ever in October. Very, very exciting. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, now Pandora as well, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Podbean. We now have 13% of our listenership coming from Spotify. Very exciting, so make sure you check it out there, as well as like and follow our Facebook page and our YouTube channels. Uh, make sure you check out um, our store, help support the channel. Follow us on Parlor at Conservative Daily, and we'll be happy to follow you back. If you text FREEDOM to 89517, you'll receive text alerts when we go live. We also have a link in our description to sign up for our email newsletter to get our action alerts as well. And remember, if you want to help support um, Jeff Teagues and the ministry, make sure you go to Victor marks.com so that's gonna be it for this edition of the podcast my name is max mcguire remember that the fight to take back our country clearly as we talked about today is not over but the only way we win is if we all stand and fight together thanks for joining us for today's episode we'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast you can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com facebook instagram and twitter all linked in the show notes be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.